Hello and welcome to Three Books with Dui. I am your host, Dui Lemi Awolalu, and my guest this week is a very smart young man I found on Twitter. He is known for his staunch defense of the Christian faith against atheists on social media, an author of several articles on apologetics and the art of seduction. Ladies and gentlemen, Ebuka Atuego. Good evening, Ebuka. Uh, good evening, Dui. Yeah, how you? Yeah, yeah. Dewey. You, a- you actually pronounced it well. Like pronouncing it for the first time, we tried. Dui, God. All right. So, um, what's up now? How was your week? It was okay. It was it was pretty okay. Oh, okay. I thank God. That was yours. It was hectic. I'm never going to lie. Um, work trying to edit the episode, the last episode, and um, also preparing for this one also. So um, it was it was really hectic for me. But anyways, we are here. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. So I got to know you through Twitter, and um, I was at, at I think that was some time last year, beginning of last year, and it was during the time mm. I start I started to discover. Um, the concept of apologetics and trying to explain my Christian through through rational means and um, so like I when I saw your tweets seeing you defend the Christian faith against atheists and I was like really impressed that we have such community here in Nigeria and like following you I now got to I was exposed to that community of like-minded Nigerian Christians that that yeah. love to defend our faith through rational means, and this is actually and and your 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 tweets are actually really impressive, and I've seen some of your articles on Naira Land. Um, for those yeah. of you listening, I would um, admonish you guys to check his Twitter. Um, I think his handle is what's your handle again? I beg, I beg. Um, I am I am King Ebuka. Okay, just King Ebuka. So you guys should follow him if you want to check out some really cool stuff on religion, Christianity, and philosophy. So yes, without um, further ado, let's let's start. Um, so what are your three books, Ebuka? Um, the three books I want to talk about are uh, The Art of Seduction by Robert Greene. Okay. Um, okay, the second book is uh, Mindset. The New Psychology of Success by uh, Carol Dweck. Okay. And the uh, third book is uh, Sex at Dawn, How We Meet, Why We Stray, and What It Means for Modern Relationships, relationships by uh, Christian, by Christopher Ryan and uh, Carl Sidageta. Okay, okay. That's sex. The prehistoric uh, origins of... Uh, Human nature. Yeah, prehistoric origins of human nature. Yeah. Now, yeah. Uh, mindsets. Um, so, like, what what about what about this mindset book? Because I tried I tried to pick the book up and um, yeah. well, what 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 why exactly do you do you like this book? What stood out for you? Um. Um. I. I just the, the book is an incredibly simple book that um, explains mindset, and um, I've been a big fan of uh, a big love of uh, mindset. And uh, the mindset is about the way we think and the way we uh, perceive certain situations, the assumptions we have about certain things. It's yeah. basically what mindset is. So I've 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 I've, I've always looked at mindset as a great determinant for success. Yeah. And I needed the right book that is going to um, expose me to the right way of thinking that, excuse me, that will actually ensure my success in life. So I picked up a mindset and mm. and Carol did a good job with the book. Um, she, she points out that there are two types of mindset, the growth mindset and the fixed mindset. Now, the fixed mindset is that um, that uh, some some aspects of art are unchangeable. Yeah, yeah. Again, they are ingrained, they are unchangeable. 
and we can do basically nothing about it. Mm. But the growth mindset is that uh, uh, the, the, for the growth mindset, um, aspects of odds are malleable. Yeah, they're not impervious to change. Yeah, you get uh, we can actually develop. We can actually grow. Even from the name, you can <laughs> you can uh, get a clear idea of what uh, the kind that type of mindset is about. Yeah. You get so. Um, and uh, I think I think what stood out for me in the book, it, it actually goes on to explain how mindset affects parenting, business, schools, and relationships. But uh, what stood out for me is uh, how mindset affects children, how children behave. That's um, how you respond to your child's behavior. Uh, okay. Take, for example, the example she gave... Um, let me just yeah. call it behavior, that you shouldn't praise a child for uh, for their intelligence by uh, maybe like uh, doing something re uh, remarkable yeah. uh, or, uh, or getting some accomplishment or fulfilling some tax, that you shouldn't praise the child's intelligence. Are you that serious? You yeah, you should actually praise effort. Why? Because... When you tell a child, oh, Doi, you're so smart, the child wants to actually um, maintain that um, that perception of himself as a very smart person. Yeah. You understand? And that will make him um, avoid challenges that will actually question is, that is perception. Oh, okay. okay. Yeah. Okay, okay. That's, a, that's an interesting way to put it. It blew my mind. And I was like, "Wow, you get so and, and yeah, and that's why uh, that's why I love the book. Mm. I think that that's the most significant part because I've seen, I've seen, I've seen this particular uh, uh, point she made about parenting, mindset, and parenting. Yeah, that particular, this particular um, um, idea that she shared in the book, I've seen it in originals." by Adam Grant. Uh, Adam Grant also mentioned uh, that particular point to show that that's actually the most significant uh, so uh, you point. Praise, in the book. you praise their efforts and not their intelligence. Yeah, exactly. exactly. Mm. When a child accomplishes something, you praise them for the effort they put. Again, not their intelligence or that their particular behavior. But <laughs> that, that, that's, this is an articulate way of like telling african parents or explaining why african parents don't will never tell you that oh you are so smart you did so well in school <laughs> <laughs> or they will always tell you that the other person does the other person have to wait or maybe you come you come with 98 percent in class let's say best in class and you tell them mommy okay yeah. like why can't why didn't you get 100 of explaining um why why they but that's that's quite that's quite interesting um yeah yeah of, yeah, of, putting, it, of putting it that way but like i yeah. what I, I i i saw something about that book in terms as you mentioned fixed mindset and yeah um, what's it called and yeah good mindset and good mindset right yeah so good mindset is that which enables you to know that they are like most things are malleable about yeah, they about can change but, but 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 there are still yeah. so many there are still some things in about human beings some things that are not malleable and for me sometimes good mindset is not just knowing that you can change everything Right, but mm -hmm. also accepting the fact that there are some things you cannot change about yeah. yourself and to live with it. Right. Yeah, you know, I was reading um Quiet by um Susan Cain. Susan Cain. And she mentioned that yeah, and she mentioned that we have free will. We have okay. free will. We can actually change ourselves, but we cannot exceed our genetic limits. Mm. And I was like, oh. mm. Mm. Because so there, there are certain things you can change, but you cannot exceed your genetic limit. Like now, you, you can read as many books as you want, but 
uh, uh, so long as you don't have the uh, 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 the capacity or the capability to to become a Stephen Hawking, <laughs> your your intelligence will actually stay at a particular level because you are fully maximized your potential. You get mm -hmm. uh, mm -hmm. yeah. So that's that's about I, it. I think I know. I, I I think I object. I object to that. Because I read there's a book. Um, there was a book I read about um, yeah. about talent. Um, talent code. Yes, I remember. It's called the talent code. Mm -hmm. Um, tried to mm -hmm. use neuro neurology neuroscience to explain the principles yeah. of practice or the principles of gaining talent. Right. Yeah. Um, about the one of not um not being able to exceed your genetic um your genetic makeup. I think it's possible yeah. through practice. So there's. Um, like the reason why we do certain things, let's say, yeah. Hmm. Like the reason, the reason okay. why we do, the reason why we do certain things, right? Okay. Say, like the reason why Messi can play the ball, like curve the ball so well, right? Yeah. <laughs> is because of he 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 thinks about it. He thinks about what to do, and then his brain yeah. sends the right exact kind of signals from through the neurons right sends the right yeah. signals to his leg to play the yeah. perfect shot the perfect yeah. the, the perfect angle to use to use the perfect power yeah. to use and whatnot right yeah. so there is this perfect yeah. trans transportation of signals from the brain to the leg to yeah. go to the leg right yeah. and to us it seems sometimes it's natural right i think for me yeah. for messes on it's natural but for some people yeah. right the ability to gain new talent is really to understand that why me? I cannot play the ball as well as Messi. I can think about mm -hmm. what to do, but my leg will not yeah. just do the right thing. It's the because will be yes, will be poor because yeah. I'm not sending the right signals from my head yeah. to my to my what's it called to yeah. my feet. So there is something yeah. in neurology like um, beneath the the frontal cortex, I think. The white matter, mm -hmm. right? Um, yeah, yeah. There, there's something called myelin myelin sheath. So, mm -hmm. the more you practice, let's say, the more I try, I try, I visualize how to play the ball, and the more I keep practicing, yeah. intentional practice, yeah. the signals from that that move from my head, the way I visualize it to my feet, mm -hmm. gets better. Why? Because the more I practice, the more I use a particular neuro. Um, neural link in particular neural neural circuitry right the more malleable yeah. sheets tend to insulate that circuitry better so signals are not lost mm -hmm. there are no loss losses right so the signals can pass yeah. without loss and even faster so the more you practice the more like it is more like doing something outside outward right yeah. affecting the inward affecting yeah. you biologically like you are you are yeah. you are now creating new circuitry creating new yeah. neural path for yourself so the part the, the one of um because i can do exceptional things that ideally they are genetics they are genetic and i don't mean like people that are genetically yeah. Um, maybe their legs are used. I'm not saying like so. Maybe someone that is amputated now can be able to score. Good. No, okay. I mean like you are okay, but like you have certain genetic restrictions. I think through intentional training, right, you can yeah. get to that level. And that yeah. talent, that talent code, that book really explained yeah. how people can become. Or he gave example of people with uh, average yeah. IQs and being chess grandmasters eventually. Or being uh, musical prodigies eventually. Wow. What about prodigies? Okay, so yeah, they are prodigies, right? They are people yeah. that are exceptionally brilliant. Exactly. From birth. at a very young age. Yeah. Yes. From birth, there are people that already talking and solving complex. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Adolescent, sorry. Exactly. Solving complex like calculus and uh, algebra and, exactly. the, and the know, an example. We, we play football now. I mean, you we watch football. There are people that we know yeah. that have talent at the age of fifteen or sixteen. Yeah. But eventually, yeah, exactly. after five or six years, bro, they are playing rubbish. 
There's someone that we know <laughs> that before he wasn't so good. But over yeah. time, like, like, bro, where did this come from? How did you get this good? It got better. It got better. <laughs> do you understand? Through inter- intentional practice. Yeah. So I think our genetic restrictions can, like, those barriers can be broken through, um, through, through practice. To pra- through practice, yes. So I don't really agree wow. with that genetic wow. restriction. But obviously, wow. there are some things we wow. cannot do. I'll, like, I'll, it, I think I think you've given me something to actually research on. I'll, I'll look for books that. Well, what did you say? The, uh, the name of the book is again. Sorry, talent, uh, talent code. code, talent code, talent code. Yeah, is an is is an incredible book. To be honest, is an incredible wow. book. But yeah, I really love I really love this mindset and this fixed mindset and this um yeah um growth mindset. Yeah, growth mindset is is incredible. When I saw it, I was like, yeah, 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 yeah. That this this is this is insane, insane stuff. So let's let's move to um um what's it called? Sex at dawn. <laughs> <laughs> so this book, <laughs> I have a question for you. Why this book? Why? What's so wow. intriguing about this book? Because I, I think I think I know I have an idea why the, why this book appeals to you, but just prove me wrong. Why? Uh, why um, you know, I've always been obsessed. Like I said, I've been obsessed about human nature, and uh, why I picked this book is that I really want to know, you know, the cultural aspects and the wait, biological. Wait, 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 Ibuka, 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 yeah. No, so I kind of like I know, like you are. Um, what's it called? You you are obsessed with the evolutionary psychological explanation of these things, yeah. But the thing yeah. is, like, of all the books on issues, this kind of issues, why this particular book? That's the thing that is busting my head. Like, why this one? This particular. I think book? I think I think it does excellently to um to um should I say destroy. You know our our perception of human yeah. as human yeah. sexuality. I think it, yeah. it, it did excellently. Yeah. The points we are valid and relevant. You get no beating yeah. around the bush. It actually proved that some uh, uh, some uh, perspectives of human nature that we yeah. have are yeah. cultural, and they are mistaken for uh, uh, biological. That is uh, yeah. that is uh, due to innate uh, evolutionary programming. Yeah, because actually, the was cultural <laughs> and what actually biological, and yeah. that's why I love the book. Mm. Yeah, and, but, and, and and remember, you remember our arguments? <laughs> it was after yeah. I read this book that I was like, wow. So, so many things that I thought we are actually biological about women, we are just cultural. Yeah, you know, like okay. um, the hypergamous nature of women. Why okay. do women? find men with power yeah. with status attractive the yeah. rich guys men find them attractive is yeah. it biological is it cultural yeah. so i found out that is mostly cultural and i think the the evidence they presented uh, was pretty compelling and uh, impressive oh okay so the thing is i think we'll have a little argument on this book because i think otherwise about this book <laughs> <laughs> i think otherwise about this book um First and foremost, like from the beginning of the book, I as I was reading from the first chapter, I was like, nah, this is pseudoscience. I don't know for me. So like let, let me start, let me start with let me start with um why I think you love this book so much is because I think before you read the book, you already had your own presuppositions about um, okay the origins of behavior, if it is um, biological or or cultural, you already have these presupposed yeah. ideas of um, this is this is the reason. Like some some things that men do and some things that women do are cultural, right? We've we've had this. Okay, you're trying to say it's like, more of a confirmation bias. Yeah, confirmation <laughs> bias for you. So you originally you're like, yeah, yeah, I agree with this. Yes, yes, I agree with this. It makes sense. Uh, <laughs> but I think that's because okay. if, if 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 you really dissociate yourself from from the from the bias right like try to read yes. it from a scientific because it's, it's meant to be a scientific book right but yeah. all i saw yeah. 
personally, I saw lots of straw mans and lots of jerry jerry picking or cherry sorry cherry picking that cherry the guy, picking, these yeah. people eat them. So as I was reading, I thought I was it was me that had the problem, right? Maybe mm-hmm. everything I know, everything I know about evolutionary, and I I know that I know anything about evolution, but the little I know about evolutionary biology and evolutionary psychology, right? Maybe mm-hmm. everything is wrong. Then I went ahead to go and check reviews, right? Mm-hmm. Almost every serious scientific person said the book is pseudoscience, said, gave one negative review or the other. The people that gave positive reviews, right, mm-hmm. were mostly liberals and mostly the left-wing people that really want to erase, really want to erase any differences between men and women, inherent, inherent differences between men, females and males. So, like, yeah. lots of people, like Steven Pinker, right, <laughs> said the book is yeah. pseudoscience. A lot of people said, like, the, 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 they literally were just picking and whatnot. So, you, you know, you know why, why, why Steven Pinker? <laughs> because they yelled him. Know, they, they attacked, they yeah, attacked. They attacked him. Yeah, I know, I know, I, I saw that part. They attacked him. They attacked him in the room. <laughs> No, the attack was justifiable. Like I, I understand Steve Pinker can be very stupid with his ideas sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> I, I it's justifiable. But like I have some reasons. Like, okay, I can mention them out to you. Right. Mm-hmm. So um I think what they were trying to do is try to eliminate or just reduce whatever inherent differences we have right now or that we think we know between males and females, right? So they, they use this bias, this, um, um, how will I put it? This era bias, like, okay, for a particular era, the way yeah. they think was affected the way they postulated their ideas, especially Darwin. They really attacked Darwin, right? Yeah, and, um, yeah exactly. So they, they use that angle, the Victorian era assumption that, Whatever science, whatever evolutionary biological science that came out of that time was 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 as a result of the way they used to think at that time, right? But yeah, I, exactly. I, I, I don't think I don't think I, I think what they're trying to do was very disingenuous, right? And uh, oh, come yeah, I think I think I think it was, it was I, I think I think I think it's true. I think it's true. Like um, like the Hobbesian view, you yeah. know Thomas Hobbes, the guy yeah, that yeah, described. Yeah. Uh, historic life as a solitary brutish yeah, brutish, short, yeah, yeah nasty mm. yeah and, and 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 what they were trying to say is that he actually was describing life at that but time his own end yeah yeah I agree with that. I agree with that. at that time and he actually weaved it into prehistory that means he thought that hey this is how life is and uh, I don't, I don't, I don't see how it would be any different from uh, how life was, yeah. uh, prehistoric life. So that, and I think they actually make a good point. And if you look at it, um, the the, uh, the idea that they were solitary, you get, was because of uh, uh, the rise of agriculture. You know, yeah. with agriculture was land. You know, this is my land. This is your land. Then. My and my family takes possession of this land. Your family takes possession of this land. Everybody, you know, there isn't that mutual dependence. There isn't that interdependence that existed, yeah. you know, between uh, the uh, prehistoric uh, members of prehistoric uh, tribes and uh, the ancient uh, yeah. hunter-gatherers and foragers and all of that. So if you look at it, um, they were not. They 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 moved as a group. You get mm-hmm. the move that group. So how, how then are they solitary? If 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 they are solitary, they'll be vulnerable to attack from uh, wild animals. So they had yeah. to move. In groups, you get yeah, and they, and they are egalitarian. You can call people. So, so let, let's let's. I have my own um my own sections on this book. Yeah, right. Yeah. So yeah. I, maybe like we, we can we can go through them one by one. The issue of okay. the issue of um okay so I'll quote I'll quote something from the book so quote 
Darwin saw sexual selection as a struggle between males for access to passive, fertile females who yeah. would submit to the victor, right? Yeah, exactly. He was trying to explain Darwin's, um, what's it called, Darwin's sexual selection. But I don't think, I don't think it's wrong. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, I, I don't think it's correct. Um, for me, right, the, the yeah. passive there, he said to, for access to passive, fertile females. They are not mm-hmm. passive, they are active. I think that's the difference between we, that's what distinguishes us from the, from other apes, is the fact that our females are active in the act of sexual selection. They don't just wait for the victor, whoever wins to get the passive female. The fertile mm-hmm. females also take part in the sexual selection. Oh. I think that that is one thing that is not. I think I know that that is one thing that that distinguishes us from other primates is the activeness because women also select, and they select because they have to have access to resources. And then you say that they don't. They didn't. They, they actually did not need to select because they were in a purely egalitarian society in the first place. Everybody has the same thing. Right. Yeah. But really. Yeah. Everybody is not what, and and I think I shared with you a a paper, a journal about the the incompleteness of egalitarianism in all these all these societies, all these pre agrarian societies, like societies before agricultural re- revolution. Right. That yeah. they were not complete. I, did you read it? Did you go through the journal? No, I, I, I think I, for, I forgot. Okay. Sorry. Okay. If I find, I if I find it again, I'll, I'll share with you. So the guy That's laid out, like, mentioned at, at least like 15 to 20, 20 tribes, pre-agrarian tribes. I know some tribes are still hunter-gatherers till now, right? So... Yeah. No, you know, the, the, problem, the problem about that, sorry, the problem yeah. about that is that uh, these people have uh, experienced um, cultural shifts. You okay. get they are surrounded by um, they were they, they've been surrounded by uh, different uh, um, different cultures that okay. Uh, okay. that have developed yeah. some kind of political organization yeah. and uh, social stratification. You understand? Yeah. Yeah. So he's not seeing the actual. You know the actual lifestyle or culture of the prehistoric uh, uh, foragers. Yeah, he's actually seeing a, a, a modern. You get the mod, the modernized um, yeah. uh, foraging, the, uh, the hunter gatherers. You understand yeah. the guys that have actually experienced influence, mm. external influence from uh, agricultural societies from. Uh, societies that uh, have a centralized political organization from uh, 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 societies that are already socially stratified. Yeah. So they may have incorporated their lifestyle into theirs. You get. So these are not purely, purely, not, not, not the, yeah, the, the, the lifestyle. It, it's it's, it's not what those guys practiced back then. You know, okay. these guys have experienced yeah, influence from from all these uh, societies all these years, the patriarchal societies, societies that have uh, different political organizations. So the idea were, uh, the ideas were incorporate, incorporated into theirs. Yeah. Because if, 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 okay, look at it. Look at pre- pre- uh, prehistoric times. No possession, no land, uh, uh, the 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 idea of uh, of uh, of power you yeah. get the where do you think it would come from? There are no lands to possess. Yeah. You get there no lands to possess. There are no uh, uh, stored produce to defend. There were yeah. no uh, yeah yeah you get so the it I, 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 and they were they were very small groups. They knew they knew each other in, intimately. They were no strangers. Mm. You know, they weren't deathly populated. So why would they need any sort of political organization? Okay. You understand? That, that it was needed. It, it was it was very needless. Yes. They yeah. uh, everything was abundant. So why 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 did they need a king to lead them? Lead them to, to do what that okay, they need so, for so I, I agree, I agree to some degree. I agree to some degree with what you said. 
I agree to some degree. But me, I have some objections again, right? Let me ask you this. Do you agree that there is hierarchy mm-hmm. between men in terms of strength, in terms of physical like, appearance, in terms of fa- how, how fast they are, in terms of speed and all that? There's hierarchy, right? Uh, hierarchy. Mean now or then? No, then and now, then and now. Hierarchy is in terms of strength, uh, in terms of physics, in terms of... Okay, okay, okay. look at this. Um, look at this. There, there was a study that they presented, right, um, about chimpanzees. Those yeah. chimpanzees, uh, uh, they, they were in, um, I, think, I think, in the middle of, I think, a forest or something, and they brought um, um, bananas, yeah. Uh, not banana, sorry, they bought food, ripe fruits yeah. in uh, concrete boxes yeah. and um, presented it to this, uh, among, uh, these chimpanzees. And they noticed that these chimpanzees became very aggressive, that that bringing of uh, food to them, because normally those chimpanzees, they go about their normal life hunting for food, they, they observe that when uh, a, a chimpanzee finds food that he calls another one, there's there's that um, sharing, there's that cooperation, there's that yeah. alliance. Yeah. So when they now brought those food, they noticed that uh, it's the just the presence of that food alone dram- dramatically changed the behavior of these these um, 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 chimpanzees. They yeah. became complete. They became aggressive, yeah, and they became so noisy and violent yeah. because they were struggling for limited resources. Yeah. So what what they are trying to say is, is that uh, those qualities uh, became uh, uh, those qualities became accentuated because of uh, the rise of agriculture. Yeah. That those that men became hierarchical. That it made a difference uh, uh, that uh, a man was faster than the other because that would mean like uh, what, what when I mentioned you on on Twitter. Yeah. Um, that uh, that uh, some that uh, some men became uh, territorial. Yeah. You get because of the rise of agriculture. Yeah. You get okay. This is my territory. Uh, and, and the strength and the aggression will mean more territory for me, more resources for me, and uh, the aggression will make me dominate my uh, my fellow male and actually control these resources, and they will threaten the availability of these resources. So yeah. that rise of agriculture actually made this side of not that we didn't ha- we weren't aggressive, we are aggressive, we had these propensities, but this ag- this rise of agriculture. Uh, made this made this uh, this propensity very prominent. You get. Okay. I think that such behaviors became exhibited after the rise of agriculture. At the I nascent guess. of the of, of agriculture, men started exhibiting those behaviors. Those behaviors started counting because it ensured that resources were available. You understand? Yeah, yeah that, so, that's so, my, my position on it. The thing is, the thing is, my point, my point exactly is there was yeah. hi- like there was hierarchy in the sense. I don't mean hierarchy as per political or social hierarchy, right? I mean hierarchy okay. as per recognizing that someone is the strongest in terms of physics. Recognizing that you know, all of them they, they hunted as a they hunted and gathered as a group, right? Exactly. But still within that group. There were still mm-hmm. people that were exceptionally good, right, at hunting yeah. than other people. Yeah. Because it's either yeah. they were stronger or they were faster or they had better cognitive, higher cognitive abilities, right? Yeah, exactly. And the thing is, in as much, you already said it that um, studying all these nomadic and un- non nomadic, all these hunter gathering societies right now. Yeah. will not be efficient right it's not like yeah it's exactly. not true to be give you force because these people have had um what's it called i've had minglings with other cultures right but yeah. in as much as that happened right the closest people 
the closest societies into understanding yeah. prehistorical human beings is these people. In as much as yeah. they have had, um, they, they've been tainted by other cultures and other societies, but still there are some things in terms of their livelihood that still points us towards prehistoric times, right? They are the best pointers to prehistory, right? So the thing is, yeah. even I'm, like I'm as, as there is, I, I... as there is, there was like um, what's it called? There was hierarchy, not political or social hierarchy. I pass by just recognizing okay. that there are certain people that, okay. that yes. So the thing is, what they found out <clears throat> in, that, in that study, I'll read that study and I'll, I'll share it with you. What they found out was in those tribes when they go out to hunt, and this very whoever it is that actually did the most work or like was the main factor for them catching that game like the animals mm-hmm. killed right usually yeah. in terms of sharing they give him the largest portion most times right whenever okay. they share whoever did the most job in they give it to them or whoever sometimes they are sometimes like only one person will go out and actually hunt and bring a large game right when they share yeah. it they give it to that they give a large portion to that person right yeah so yeah. the thing is those people that are highly successful i mean successful and it's a very yeah. small amount of people that are highly successful in in what's it called in in their game yeah, right Do, yeah. does it not does it not make sense or highly or higher than normal in terms of cognitive abilities right does yeah. it make sense that all those women at that time will be drawn to want to be with a man or with men that are highly successful in terms of hunting, regardless of the fact that they are in a community or they have they share communal values, they share stuff together. But regardless, yeah. because you know that his genes, because human, human, the two, the two. Um, what's it called? The two instinct of any any species, any living species, is to yeah. reproduce. I mean, is to survive and reproduce. Pass your gene to the and next generation, right? Yeah. And not just any gene, good gene that will make your species survive. Does it not make sense? Yeah. Does it not make evolutionary sense that these women, right, select men that have these desirable genes? genes of maybe higher cognitive ability or you know that and even if whenever they have danger right the yeah. fastest people and the strongest people are actually they have the highest propensity to to escape right yeah like the highest propensity to get out of danger or highest propensity yeah. to, to save people around them right yeah it doesn't it make sense to want to have that kind of gene in your own gene pool the gene of people that are stronger, people yeah. that are faster. You want it amongst your. I I I, I totally agree with you that because yeah. they shared communal whatever, they was it called? They did not need any of these hierarchies. All right. Yeah. So I, I I totally understand. Yeah. That, but I'm talking about the fact that there are differences in people, differences in men, and it makes yeah. evolutionary sense for these women, yeah. for people to pick traits that are desirable for the successive um, what's it called, and for the survival of their genes. You get, you get, you get what I mean? There's one other uh, factor that um, I think you should consider. It's the MHC, Major Histocompatibility Complex. Mm. Now, it's all about um, similarity of genes. You get yeah. the more dissimilar a woman's genes is um the more uh, dissimilar yeah. human genes from the man yeah. uh the the higher the, the higher the, his attractiveness yeah. he get yeah the more attractive he becomes yeah the more uh, and and the women have this um have this um ability to dictate this dissimilarity or similar similarity yeah. in a man's smell Mm. Have you have you heard of that that thing where where yeah, women yeah. are yeah. but guys natural yeah, smell? I, yeah, I've read I've read about that. Yeah, exactly. So w- women have that ability to find a, a genetically compatible partner using 
the uh, using of faction that's using their nose to dictate much dissimilarity you get and and if if a guy's genes is very dissimilar to a woman's genes uh the the offspring will actually have greater immunity mm. stronger immunity you get yeah. so if their genes are, are very similar there's reduced uh immunity yeah you get the mm. the, the offspring will be will have a very weak weak immune system immune, yeah. yeah 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 so the so-called men the the strong guys the fast guys the guys with higher cognitive ability they may not be genetically compatible with the woman they may have very similar genes mhc similarity will be greater in them you get so okay. if if at all these women we are to copulate with them and procreate it will be accidental you get it's just a matter of chance that those desirable traits or those desirable genes will actually desirable traits of the the fast guys will actually be uh, moved or be uh, imprinted in the genes of the offspring you yeah. get mm. so i i i don't see that as, as if you, 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 the, the biology is different from the conscious mind you know yeah. women might consciously go for such men but <laughs> their biology actually rejects such men and, uh, and and yeah yeah and that's so, it so, so i, 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 have, I, I, I have... I have like two other two other points to make like two other points from this from this book right there was one yeah. i there was one thing i noticed from the book was um he he seemed you know he rejected the victorian idea of um victorian yeah. era idea of but he accepted morgan's hypothesis of omnigami Morgan was from the yeah. Victorian era. Why did he cherry pick? Why did he? Why did <laughs> they accept that? Because there are, there are two people yeah. that wrote this book. Why did they accept yeah. that Morgan's hypothesis of omnigamy is, is correct and was not no. as a result of Victorian bias and Darwin's yeah. on this? Yeah, I, I, you know, you know, at, at, at the, um, I think at the second chapter or the third chapter, they explain that that the best the best way to actually understand the nature of uh, the, uh, our our prehistoric ancestors is to look at the closest primate our closest primate cousins the, the bonobos yeah. and the chimpanzees though they they actually found out that female bonobos we are very generous with sex they yeah. are very promiscuous you get so when when you look at that, you get, and then you now look at um, how uh, how uh, women we are actually uh, naturally women women uh, are also drawn to novelty and variety, just like their men, yeah. uh, uh, just as the men, and they also notice that the female bonobos we are actually interested in several males they act, they were actually as promiscuous as their male as the male as their male counterparts you understand yeah. so when they looked at this they decided that uh that that um the the lifestyle the sexual lifestyle of these primates actually should give insights to the uh, uh, sexual lifestyle of our prehistoric ancestors so that's why they um, they opted for uh, um, um, uh, primal listen to this bro listen to this yeah. they discovered some tribes I remember I told you about uh, shared paternity yeah uh, some some tribes uh, some tribes actually uh, in some tribes women are very generous with sex women don't hold back women don't withhold sex they actually go for it they are very active they seek. They, they are not coy, needing to be courted and, and and persuaded. You get and and begged. This women freely gave sex. Uh, cultures that practiced uh, 
uh, partible paternity or shared paternity where they believe that um, accumulated semen uh, yeah. helps in the development yeah, yeah, of the yeah, yeah. yeah they, they actually notice that women really slept with as many men as they could. Yeah. So and and also some some cultures uh, some cultures actually permitted lovers having lovers outside their marriage. You understand? So yeah. women had a sexual relationship outside their marriage. And in some cultures, uh, and, and in subcultures, before a wedding, before a marriage ceremony, or I think, I think a day before the marriage ceremony or a day before consummation of the marriage, the woman has to sleep with all the, all the members of the man's and those cultures uh, did not prohibit them. Those cultures did not see it as irresponsible behavior. Those cultures did not uh, see it as um, 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 immoral. Yeah. Very okay. They even encouraged it. You get. Yeah. And, 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 and then when you compare it with um, the, um, the uh, standard narrative that um, we are inherently sexually monogamous that um, no 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 we, no 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 that that is that is no no, no, no. that is that is <laughs> that is one of the strawmans i saw like no most, no, most, no. most you, evolutionary you, psychologists don't i yeah. don't, don't say that we are inherently monogamous okay why we are monogamous right now is called enforced monogamy right it's mm -hmm. um it's like a social enforcement so it's like okay. socially promoted culturally inculcated monogamy all right so it's not like <laughs> we are genetically uh musical program to practice monogamy so mm -hmm. why 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 um the that this is the story this is the literature for now in terms of um enforced monogamy and i there's a paper yeah. on that i think i'll share it with you there's a paper on that okay. so they said the reason why cultures eventually evolve to what's it called to to be monogamous was because <laughs> this is something we're not agree with the hypergamity of females right and the propensity <laughs> of males to be polygynous or human species human beings to be polygynous you no know, polygynous having several several yes yeah, so, uh, so i am not saying i am not saying right that females are monogamous they are saying that they might be polygynous, right? But whatever yeah. male they pick is always across and above the social hierarchy, right? They can, they could do with several several people. They're gonna have relationships with several people, like prehistorically, yeah. But yeah. it's usually people across and above the social hierarchy. And men, so the things men men do the opposite across and below, right? You know, you know, and, 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 you know, and, and, and the thing is, the thing is, the thing is. Um, mm -hmm. So they found out that they did a study and they found out that majority of the violence is between males. Male, male aggression mm -hmm. basically is because yeah. of um, lack, because of yeah, lack of partners. Right? Yeah. Is that 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 mm -hmm. is the basic lack of partner. So the thing yeah. is, in society, anywhere, any community, there are very few people that are hyper successful, right? And because yes. there are very people that are on top of that, very few people that are on top of that social hierarchy, right? Yeah. And females peak from the top, all right? From, or according to yeah. their studies, they peak from the top. And yeah. males are, or people, male and female, they are polygynous in, in, na yeah. in nature, right? They want multiple partners. So there will be an unfair selection of females by the hyper-successful males, do you understand? So the hyper successful males will pick as many female female partners they want. All right. So leaving the remaining small, I mean large amount of males are not as successful as those hyper successful ones, and leaving them marginalized, right? And that usually causes violence because the hierarchy will become so steep and it will destabilize at the end, right? Because it was and whatnot. So that is why some or most societies evolve 
evolved to in order to regulate first to regulate female reproduction. So the thing is, if females, right, if females yeah. were allowed to like, or if female not allowed, but if females copulated with multiple men at the same time, had multiple relationships and whatnot, there will be yeah. too many babies, so to speak. In a, to paraphrase, there will be too many babies, and majority mm-hmm. of them will not survive. Right. So first and foremost was to regulate female reproduction, right? And secondly, to regulate male aggression, so that everyone doesn't mm-hmm. die. But I'm not. I'm not saying, and that that is the problem. One of the problems I saw with this book that they okay. misunderstood the right. literature, the actual literature of the evolutionary psychology or yeah. biologists on that issue. So let, let's let's move to the to the last to the last book. I yeah. I I I read Out of Seduction when I was in secondary school ish. Yes. Okay. Um by Robert Green. And yeah. out, out, out of Seduction, Robert Green. Yeah. It was it was I, I kind of went through it again because it was a, okay. been a while since I read it. And normal okay. Robert Green, the guys always butting head, like giving all these very deep um deep laws. Yeah, and they exactly. are not just laws from the top of his head, he uses history. He uses philosophy, he uses like really deep stuff to talk about psychology. Yeah, yeah. psychology. Yeah. yeah. What, what, what do you think about the book? Oh. I think the book is about um, how we can make uh, ourselves um, attractive, um, how we can um, lower people's uh, walls, the walls they build around themselves. You know, people, they feel vulnerable, we get. Yeah. And, uh, they feel that uh, people are being manipulative and all that, yeah. and they build these walls around themselves here yeah, to protect themselves and uh, and all that, and they they are resistant, they they are resistant to our influence. So yeah. what seduction does is to expose the reasons behind the, uh, why these walls are up. Yeah, you understand why people are resistant, why people. Are the way they are, why they have uh, repressed desires, why they um, why they think the way they do, and uh, what makes them tick, and all that. So uh, it exposes how to you know, the reasons behind them and how to um, lower this resistance, lower uh, break down these walls that they use, uh, they uh, they uh, erected to uh, yeah. to protect that their yes, insecurity and. Yeah. So that's basically what the book is about, and I love the way that uh, he uses uh, experiences experiences of uh, historical figures to actually illustrate uh, the points. He draws the laws from their experiences, and that's the beauty of the book, I think. Mm -hmm. So, like, there are I think there are like nine nine characters, right? Nine um, yeah, exactly seductive characters. Of the the nine artists Cyrene, Rake, Idolova, Dandy, Natural, Coquettes, Charismatic, and Star. Those are like the nine different um, um, seductive characters. And the ones that really caught my eye, like the one I like, bust my head was the Cyrene. Yeah. Story of Cleopatra is a very beautiful story. (laughs) Beautiful with a very terrible ending. So I I really love I love that siren part the siren break yeah. and um and charismatic the other ones I was like man not no no not really my yeah, thing. I think I think I think the star the style is the least impressive. You're just talking about celebrities and yeah, how yeah. they can yeah use their fame and garner public affection yeah. and all that. I think it's the least impressive and uh, just uh. Two hours ago, I was tweeting uh, on, on uh, about seduction. I wanted to say that the siren, I think, is the most powerful seductress yeah. for the female. Yeah. And the rig, the most powerful yeah. um, uh, uh, seducer for the yeah. male. Yeah. 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 The, those, were, those, were, those were the ones that like stood out for me. Um, about the story of Sarah, um, <laughs> her, her story is very, very intriguing. Like, um, yeah. I read, I read, I read. A Z, like a biography of her by I think Jacob Abbott. Um, he yeah. talked extensively on the person of Cleopatra, and um, like she was one of the most beautiful women ever in the land then. 
and like she was so no, she wasn't she wasn't that beautiful i think really? uh, uh robert green pointed that out yeah everyone thinks you know you know she's so popular and she's a she's a known yeah, she, was a pharaoh. she was the pharaoh the last yeah, pharaoh of yeah, Egypt. Yeah. robert green pointed that out that she isn't really the most beautiful that is just her strategies her devilish strategies that actually mm. uh yeah made those men uh Got that actually made those men to uh, yeah. to uh, fall in love with her and lost after her. It's just it's just all about her strategies. Okay, and that's one. But, but for other for all, for the yeah. listeners that oh sorry for the listeners that um and people that are listening that might not know what we mean by siren. So like, can you like tell us tell us what it actually entails what it means to be a siren? They are just women that um, have this, this uh, that they exude this um, sexiness. Yeah. There's something about them. They are, they are effortlessly sexy. Yeah. You know, when we talk about sirens, we talk about the beyond manners, beautiful with a very beautiful skin, and they all that they all that all they exude or ooze is sex. They have the sex appeal. Yeah. And uh, yeah. And what what actually um, makes them stand out is the the ability to provide um, what a man really desires. You know, that's a, a variety, novelty, and adventure. Yeah. So the the uh, siren actually fixates on a man's basic emotions. Um, basic emotions that's just lost. Yeah, yeah. lost. He. Yeah, because uh, we all know that uh, the man's weakness is lost. <laughs> so the siren but uh, a man's um, a loss is actually a man's weakness, which yeah. the um, uh, uh, siren exploits. So um, and um, and uh, and she does this uh, with. Uh, I, I think I think she uses of physical layers. What so, uh, Robert Green calls physical layers, seductive clothing, yeah, um, voice, eyes, yeah, beauty, yeah, and they are trying to uh, have this uh, this uh, create uh, a goddess-like effect on men. Yeah, you know that you know, men have uh, have this uh, propensity to you know fantasize about um, yeah goddesses and uh, have uh, all these fantasies about a certain type of women. So the siren actually takes advantage of that, provides or embodies that fantasy. Yeah. You know, like uh, what, what they do, they they use the the weapon to actually create that that to embody that fantasy that men usually have. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and you know, you know, you know, when, when I talked about uh, men uh, having the desire for novelty, adventure, variety, variety, yeah. Um, sirens make use of makeup, yeah, to actually create that illusion. You know, you know, when a girl wears a certain uh, uh, makeup style, she looks a certain type of way, yeah. Another makeup star, she looks different. So that's an illusion of variety because uh, I, I, I remember we said that uh, the two books, Sex Are Down uh, and This Thing, are somehow related. In Sex Are Down, the authors mentioned that uh, men actually evolved that desire for novelty and variety to prevent. Uh, the stagnation of our gene pool through incest. Yeah. So that's why men have that uh, that desire to actually, you know, have sexual relations with different women. Yeah. So in, instead of instead of uh, the man actually going out for those different women, one woman can actually use makeup. Yeah. To create that effect different, of different illusions. Right. Oh, oh, I never, I never seen it that way. I, I I talk about it so much on Twitter, and I think that that's a way of of, of seeing it, and that's why makeup is very uh, uh, potent. Yeah, for seduction, it yeah, it, it, you, you can look you can look like like a goddess. You can look like 
anything you want to be. So that, that's like you know, that's like yeah. another evolutionary psychological explanation for the use of of what's it called of makeup. makeup yeah. yeah, exactly. Mm, fair enough. Fair enough. Yeah. Actually. Um. So the, the the siren, like as you said, basically someone that um hear that from you because you are always about oh the I don't know but maybe this is a straw man of your argument but you're always about um, um that okay oh, whatever, uh, uh, yeah. Of my Christian apologetics, I'm a divine commentator, so I I always thought, and I I I usually discuss about morality. So yeah. Okay. Then the rake too, the rake too, like was was I I I could re- relate in a way because I know people that it has happened. Like I know girls, this thing has happened to. A typical example of good girl likes um bad boy. So a rake basically is someone exactly. That, that he's just he's a bad boy and he's not he's not he's not shy he's not he doesn't lie about the fact that he's a bad boy he's exactly bad, yeah he's he he, he has multiple relationships with uh, multiple exactly. women so basically what it does yeah. and like why why it it is very seductive for especially good women is um, mm-hmm. it provides freedom from routine and <coughs> and decency right so like it's like it gives exactly. them a sense of adventure like and also also i something that he said that was very profound that i saw was um i mean i said about um, women that fall prey to rakes is ability to make women want to reform them so most of yeah, when, when exactly. you see a good girl with a with with a very <laughs> bad guy yeah whatever she's what, what yeah. she says like she wants to change him i can't change him He's he's actually yeah. a good guy on the inside. We we talked to him exactly. So I was like, yeah, I was like, yeah, I can't really I understand what what this is. And, and something about the rake uh, I wanted to add uh, is that um, he pushes women to do things that uh, are taboos. Yes, things yeah. that are dangerous. Yeah. And uh, to uh, exhibit uh, the the um, rake uh, makes women to exhibit um, uh, transgressive behavior to sin. Mm-hmm. Yeah, again, I think <laughs> an, an actual example is um, have, have you seen this series, Money Heist? See Money Heist? Uh, no, no, okay. no. I have so, so, so there is um, there is this woman. Um, I've forgotten her name. So, but like she's the secretary of the of the bank, and they got there was obviously there was a heist that took place, and she fell in love with one of the like the most terrible of the people of the robbers, right? Mm-hmm. The guy was very unpredictable. Like he gets angry. This is like a maniac. Do you understand? It was like the terrible yeah. of the bond. And weirdly, she's the good woman, a very good woman. Weirdly, she just fell in love. Mm-hmm. With him. The guy gave her this sense of freedom and adventure. One thing I yeah. found about him, like he was unapologetic about who he was. Like he doesn't really, he doesn't hide the fact that he's a maniac. Do you understand? Like, yeah. yeah so, exactly. so that's that's that's. But but why exactly? When when you when you told me this book, as amongst your books, um, I was like kind of curious as to like why why exactly why do you like art of seduction so much? Why why is it one of your top books? Uh, well, I think, I think, uh, personally, it helped me, okay. you know, I was, uh, I was really that nerdy guy. Okay. The, uh, yeah, you get the guy that couldn't get girls when I was in secondary school and, uh, and I needed to change that about me and get to, oh, okay. uh, I was seen as a nice guy and I didn't like it because of the negative associations. Yeah. They make, uh, nice guys you get yeah. so i i wanted to change that about me yeah uh, um yeah i wanted to add that uh that uh shall i say negative you know a little bit of uh negative uh you know association yeah you get mm. rebel or something you get mm. so that's why i actually picked the book okay and uh, i've always been someone that uh that uh, loves that is so obsessed with human nature. I really want to know why. Why people think the way they uh, think. Yeah, what, 
yeah, yeah. Why, why we we make certain decisions? Why we find certain people attractive? Why we find certain actions attractive? And out of seduction, just did it for me. It exposed uh, uh, so many things about us that uh, I, I really, I'm really thankful to Robert Green for <laughs> for writing such a wonderful book. Yeah, one of my best. And and one thing about the art of seduction is that I read it almost every yeah are you serious i have read it yeah up to four or five times yeah and the thing is when you read it the ideas you internalize the ideas and when you're in yeah i i i used many of my ideas to, mm. to get my first girlfriend mm. and to actually flirt <laughs> to actually flirt i used the ideas to make friends so yeah. it has it has been yeah. Wow. So, so guys, really you are listening and you are finding it hard to get chicks, just read Out of Seduction. It's going to help you. Out of Seduction. I recommend. <laughs> Always, this has been a wonderful, wonderful conversation. Though, like, we argued, yeah. we argued a lot, but <laughs> at least we learned, we learned from each other. I learned a lot from you. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I think I'm going to shift my, my, what's it called, my position a bit. On um, hypergamity and polygenous um, societies, but anyways, yeah. um, I want to thank you for taking out your time um, to do this. Um, I really, really appreciate it. Thank you so much. Yeah, you're welcome. Yeah, you're welcome. And for well, uh, giving me an opportunity yeah. uh, to be um, uh, to feature in your podcast. Ah, you're welcome. You're welcome, my brother. And so, for everyone to yeah. that listened to this podcast thank you very much